good evening, everybody. <clears throat> First Sunday, no, second Sunday in spring. It's a good day. Tonight, we're going to be looking at Pray Like Jesus, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, a fascinating study. Before we go anywhere near that, we're going to do something ironic and pray. Let's pray. For those of you who know the Lord's Prayer, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. The daily bread as we forgive, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, all the prep work in the world doesn't help if you haven't had enough coffee. <clears throat> but that's all good. We're going to start somewhere completely different than the Lord's Prayer. Everybody in the world wants to know who they are and why they're here. Everybody in the world is looking for somebody to love me. We're going to have a small problem here with the technicals, we thought. There we go. People are looking for someone to love. People are looking for importance in their lives. Everybody's looking for something to help them understand who they are and why they're here. Many of us date to fall in love. We fall in love so that we can love someone and be loved in return. We hope that that love's going to be eternal. And in that, we hope to find some meaning for our lives. Some people look for meaning in the wonderful world of musicians, of movie stars, of all the people who get all the big acclaim. Maybe it's a sports star for you. Maybe it's somebody different. Maybe it's a billionaire CEO and you think, if only I had what they had, then my life would have meaning. Perhaps you look enviously at your crazy Uncle Bob and Aunt Bertha every time they come over for Christmas, and they're loud and they're proud, and everybody seems to be attracted to them, and everybody seems to love them, and you sit quietly in the corner and wonder, why not me? This is not a new feeling. In Jesus' time, the Pharisees craved a fawning glory. They're the people who went round and looked for the acclaim of the people. Jesus called them hypocrites. He called them whitewashed tombs because they presented an image that wasn't true. They had completely missed the whole purpose of why they were here, to worship God and to bring others to come to know him. It's when you truly understand who Jesus is that you find the importance, the love, and the acceptance in life. If you haven't found Jesus, then I can 100% guarantee that you're still searching. Nothing else, as we looked at two weeks ago, is going to fill the hole inside you that is there except Jesus. So you want to know the question, do you love me? Well, the answer is, Jesus does. And when you first understand that, it's like a light bulb that goes off inside your mind. It absolutely blows your mind. If you're a Christian, just stop for a second. Think about when you first understood what it was that Jesus loved you 
that Jesus died for you and that that was your whole purpose here on earth, to come back into relationship with the Father. That's the key to why we're here. And this is all important because it's all wrapped up in the Lord's Prayer. You say to me, Murray, well, what about the Lord's Prayer? Well, before we even get near to the Lord's Prayer, we have to go back to the beginning. We have to go back to Genesis 1. It all starts with God. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So as we looked at two weeks ago, for those who are here, we have the picture of the Father, Son and Spirit at the beginning of time, having perfect love, perfect relationship, perfect harmony, and they wanted to do what? They wanted to share it. So Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him, so he made Eve. So you ask yourself the question, when God first created man, before the fall, what was this relationship supposed to look like? And this is key to understanding the Lord's Prayer. Genesis 3, 8 and 9 tells us, they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden and the Lord called out to the man. Think about that. You are in the Garden of Eden. God is not only there, but he's physically with you. He's talking to you. He's walking in the garden with you. That's the relationship that was originally created at the dawn of time that the Lord's Prayer points back to. All the people in Jesus' time when he talked about this prayer knew about this. They knew this was the way they were created to be. They knew this was the way that God had originally designed it. Loving relationship shared with us. So what went wrong? For those of you who know the story, Adam and Eve ate the apple, they disobeyed God, they got kicked out of the garden. So the first thing when the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray, the first thing Jesus starts with is, where is your heart? Where is your heart? What is your motivation? And he gives us two don'ts and two do's to look at. And if you remember from Mary and Martha last week, he doesn't tell us what to do. He points out where we're going wrong. He gives us the path to go down and he helps us on our way. So let's have a quick look at the motivation. Motivation prelude number one is Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So in Jesus' day, the Jews prayed three times a day. What better way to be noticed by your fellow man than to turn up at the synagogue and stand up? People would see you. Perhaps you could even pray out loud. 
you might get a nod, you might get a wink, you might get an amen, brother. And that's what they were doing. They were seeking that fawning glory from other people. The damage they were doing was untold because they were turning people away from the focus on the Father to themselves. Not only had they broken their own relationship, but they were breaking other people's at the same time. This isn't what God wants at all. God's looking for a personal relationship with each one of us. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Do, Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what in secret will reward you. You hear two weeks ago, we talked about the four tables. This is your couple number four. Two people who are so involved with each other that there are no distractions. Have you ever tried, ladies or gents, walking into the room while your partner's watching TV and trying to have a difficult conversation with them or any form of conversation? You ever try to talk to someone when they're on their phone? They're not really there. You can talk away as much as you want and they'll look up at the end and go, huh? Or, can I have another biscuit, please? There's no connection. What God's saying is, get alone. Get to a place where you can focus on just me. No distractions, no interruptions, no thumb twiddling. This is the way we're meant to be. This is where we get to a true connection. And the important other thing Jesus is bringing out here, this is not a normal father. I'm an earthly father. My daughter's in the audience. It's a miracle she is still sane. The number of mistakes I've made over the years, the things I have done wrong. If you're a father, you are the same. We've all had a father. Perhaps your father was okay. Perhaps your father wasn't and you've been deeply, deeply scarred by your experience. This is not the father Jesus is talking about. This is the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is behind us and before us, who is forever our friend. This is the Father we are connecting to. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then come with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and help in a time of need. So he created us for personal relationship and he created us to be blessed in united harmony with himself. That's the start of the hat attitude. Where is your heart? Where are you starting? The second motivation prelude starts with the don't. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. If you've ever had children or you've ever been around children, they love to use many words. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Why can't I have that? Mum, 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 dad, 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 dad. Mm. That's surprising my children never made it to adulthood either. But that's what we do. We go after attention. And you know people like that. Quite often we have a saying at work in management. The art of management is to spend as long as possible talking about absolutely nothing. There are people like that in the whole world. We see this in 1 Kings 18 with the prophets of Baal. In Jesus' day... You had your little G gods. If you wanted something out of a little G god, the first thing you had to do was get their attention. The second thing you had to do was barter with them. You do this for me, I'll do that for you, and then you hope that they come to the party. 
Here we've got a picture of the prophets of Baal dancing around an altar, cutting themselves, screaming. Elijah's standing back, taunting them. Perhaps your God's asleep. Perhaps he's on the toilet. Perhaps he doesn't care. And Jesus is saying, this is not the way it's meant to be. So what is the way it's meant to be? Do. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The great God, our Father, is waiting to hear from you and from me. He can hear from all of us at the same time. There's no blockage, there's no waiting, there's no intermission. He's waiting. So why does he ask us to pray? Because it, our acknowledgement to him in prayer is that we need him. We're worshipping him when we come to him in prayer. He knows what we need, but he wants us to ask because in asking, we're building the relationship with him. We are growing, we are changing, and we are becoming more like him. Dallas Willard puts it this way, prayer to the God of Israel and of Jesus, the living and personal God of the universe is intelligent conversation about matters of mutual concern. Prayer is not talking. Prayer is transforming. And that is the key here that Jesus is saying. When you come to God, come in a heart relationship open to him. Don't come with many words. Just come as you are. And he is waiting. And once you get through the heart motivation, then Jesus launches into the Lord's Prayer itself. Now, the Lord's Prayer is not a rote prayer. It's not something you have to pray. It's not the only way to pray because there are many prayers in the Bible. What it is, is a beautiful formula that Jesus has given us that shows us how to communicate with the Father. Pray like this then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As it says on the screen, this has three, two sets of three things, three eternal things about God. His name, his kingdom, and his will. Then three things for us. Our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgive others, and holiness, lead me not into temptation. This prayer mingles the eternity with the everyday to help us acknowledge that we keep our eyes fixed on eternity, we can get through anything with his power. And it echoes Matthew 6.23. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God is not surprised by anything. That's why he asks us to come to him. So let's delve into this a bit further. The prayer of eternity starts with our Father. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. He's our Father. It's personal. We are his adopted children. He has welcomed us into his family. The perfect Father, the God of the universe. We are his. And that's a fantastic truth to hold on to. That's what gets you through every single day. Here we're praying. Father, cause your name to be honoured and revered in the world, in our community, in our church, and in my heart. 
change me. Hallowed be your name. Praise to you. Because he's our father, we can run into his hug of love. God stands there with his arms open wide saying, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest. God is standing there, arms open wide, waiting for you and I. You say, well, how do I get to him, Murray? Where is he? It says he's in heaven. Heaven's not an address. Heaven is who he is. Heaven is who God is. And God is everywhere. One commentator I heard said it this way, and in fact, he was in this church years ago. He said, you can pray it like this. Our Father, who is as close to me as the air I breathe, he is here. He is among us. He is within us. This God walks inside us and by us day by day. He is everywhere. We come both joyfully and humbly in total dependence on him. And that's how the prayer starts. The second part of eternity. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, I'm saying, I want your kingdom to hold sway in the world in my community, in my church, and in my heart. Well, what is his kingdom? His kingdom is a reflection back to Genesis 1.1. His kingdom is a reflection forward to eternal life. We're saying, bring your kingdom here. Every time you pray for rain, every time you pray for healing, every time you pray for a friend to come to know Jesus, you're praying for his kingdom to come here into our world now. Lord, let your kingdom come forth in what we do. We want your will to be done in the whole earth, in our community, in our church, and in your heart. We're praying towards eternity while keeping the focus on every day. We're praying towards Jesus' triumphant return. No sin, no suffering, no sickness. Just pure love, joy, and the Father. So we move out of eternity and we move into every day. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Here we're saying to God, please give me my physical needs so that I can be healthy and I can serve you to the maximum of my ability. And spiritually, please forgive my sin as I forgive others grace. This is saying, as I am free when he forgives me, I am set free to forgive others. It's key. This is grace. But it's the everyday. Jesus is interested in the everyday that's going on. And then we move into a key section, holiness. Holiness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What are we saying? Jesus, I love you so much. I want to be more like you every single day. Every choice I make, every decision I make, I want to be of you. I am so distraught when I do something wrong. I am so sorry when I sin. I'm so sorry that I break your heart. I know you've forgiven me, but help me, Lord, to become more like you every day. Help me, Lord in my journey of holiness. 
And in doing all these things, we serve and glorify him. Help me and deliver me is the deep, gut-wrenching cry of our heart. If as Christians, it isn't a deep, gut-wrenching cry in our heart, we'd be the lost focus of how terribly evil sin is or the great price that Jesus paid in grace. On our knees, we cry out to him, Lord, forgive me. Thank you that you died for me because without you, I am nothing. And then as all things, holiness loops back around to grace. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So hold that thought. Matthew 18, the story of the wicked servant. Here we have a king. And he has a servant who owes him a huge amount of money and he can't pay. So the servant goes to the king and says, I'm sorry, I can't pay you. And the king goes, yeah, okay, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. Off you go. Wouldn't that be nice if the tax department did that for all of us? But no such luck. That servant walks outside and he sees another servant who owes him a pittance. A pittance. And he grabs that servant and says, I'm throwing you into jail until you can pay me. And one thing you have to understand is in that day and age, when you were in jail, you couldn't earn money. So he was actually committing that servant to a life sentence. When the king found out, he was furious. And he called in that wicked servant and said, you wicked servant, I am throwing you into jail. And what does Jesus say? So also my heavenly father will do to each of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There's another verse in the Bible that says, if you come to the communion table and you know that someone, you have something against someone, stop what you're doing and go and sort it out. There's another way to look at this. Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and he forgave our sins as far as the east is from the west. He said, I have taken everything you have done and forgiven you in grace. What I'm telling you to do is go and forgive your brother or sister the pittance that they've done against you. Why? Because in doing so, you get a greater understanding of what I did for you. And if you can't forgive them that pittance, as it says here, you do not understand what I have done for you. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. As Christians, we have no right to hold anything against anyone because we have no rights. All we have is Jesus. It's all we have. And we stand on him alone. Share his grace. That's the key. What's one of the best ways you can tell someone about Jesus? Forgive them. Forgive them. Share his grace with those around you. Share the grace that has come to you and outpour it on the people around you. So some great prayer quotes. Kenneth Callahan says, life begins with grace. We are who we are through the grace of God. Everything in this universe and beyond begins with the grace of God. We are alive through the grace of God. Do you hear the grace? Dallas Willard says, he, Jesus, teaches us how to be in prayer, what we are in life, how to be in prayer, 
what we are in life and how to be in life what we are in prayer. C.S. Lewis says, I pray because I can't help myself. It doesn't change God, it changes me. Prayer starts with God, prayer ends with God. Prayer starts with grace, prayer ends with grace. Matthew Henry says, you may as soon find a living man that does not breathe as a living Christian who does not pray. Poignant phrase. He also says, thus all our prayers should correspond with that which is our great aim as Christians, and that is to be with God in heaven. And what are we going to do in heaven? We're going to talk to him. What is talking to God? It's prayer. Jesus himself went away numerous times to pray quietly. Luke 5, 6, Mark 1, 35, Matthew 14, 23, and the list goes on and on and on. So what really is the Lord's Prayer? What really is the Lord's Prayer? It's a call to prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a call to prayer. Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, is an echo of the Lord's Prayer. Philippians 4.6, Don't be anxious, but take all your requests to God, is an echo to the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is calling us to relationship, intimacy, deep, honest, clear communication, speaking and listening, because that's where heaven breaks in. That's where our lives change. By focusing on the eternal and handing over the everyday, I can serve God to my maximum potential. That is prayer. That is the Lord's prayer. So what do we sum up with? Christians are people of prayer. Jesus is calling us to the ministry of prayer. Effective prayer always leads to worship and ministry. Prayer is the basis of our practical love for others. Prayer is the foundation of our entire ministry. Prayer is the centre of our growing relationship with our Father. God loves prayer because he loves us and prayer enriches us. Satan hates prayer because he hates us and prayer enriches us. Jesus encourages each of us to commit to a richer prayer life. Pray frequently, humbly, honestly and personally. Live in the spirit of the Lord's prayer. That's it. That is the whole key to the Lord's prayer. Start with God, end with God. Come with an open heart for relationship. Be prepared to be changed. Look forward to the eternal that he offers and mix it in with the everyday that we've done. So two weeks ago, we did something slightly novel at the end of the intimacy of prayer. I asked everyone to stop. We're going to do the same thing tonight. I would like everybody just to stop. I'd like everybody to take a minute, make a choice, choose to pray, take an action and pray. Think about what we've just talked about in the Lord's Prayer. Think about the relationship, the Father God who is waiting to hear from you, who wants to know what's going on in your life. He already does, but he wants you to tell him. Take a minute. Take one minute right now for all of us. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's talk to our Father in heaven.
next segment come up, I'm just going to ask you to look at the screen. This time I'll try and get the words right. Let's just read the Lord's Prayer again together before we move on. Pray like this then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God is waiting for you and for me. It's in our best. Pray to him, talk to him, grow in him, and see your life change.